It's Undercover with Emily Adams and Alora Lagarde on VIC Radio Ithaca. Hello, hello. Welcome back for the final time to Undercovered on VIC. Laura, how are we feeling today? You know, it's bittersweet right now. Of course, we're always excited that we're able to share the news with you guys, but it's also sad at the same time because yeah. last time doing this and last time doing this for college. Yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you're new here, I'm Emily Adams. And I'm Laura Lagarde. Um, and this is Undercovered, a show where we talk about the intersections of sports with social issues, politics, um, and generally we cover the things that don't show up in the mainstream sport media. Mm-hmm. Um, so today we have a full plate. We Quite are taking the lineup. on <laughs> um, three professional women's leagues in our segments today. The WNBA, the NWSL, and the NWHL. There's been a lot going on in the off season, um, and for the the NWSL, the season has just recently started again. Um, so yeah, we're we got a lot to talk about. So yes, let's let's dive in. Yes, shall we? <laughs> let's first start talking about the NW at the, the WNBA. Excuse me, and the ultimate question of why did the Chicago Sky suspend? Gabby Williams. Gabby Williams is a player for the Chicago Sky. She was on the UConn team and was drafted in 2018. And uh, I believe Emily has quite the spill of a general (laughs) list of what the story uh, holds. Yeah, if you're (laughs) on women's basketball Twitter in any way, you you must be pissed. You saw this (laughs) explode yesterday. You know, I mean, literally everybody on the timeline was talking about this because it came sort of out of nowhere it wasn't like completely out of nowhere but we were not expecting it to happen the way that it did um so what what happened was um gabby williams was placed on full season suspension Mm -hmm. so what that means for the WNBA is that the player doesn't get paid and their salary is not like included in the team's salary cap and things like that. Um, so Williams's $70,000 salary is now off the table um, for this whole season. And she also can't play in the league at all this season for any team. Um, this isn't like disciplinary. Also no. is important to clarify. Yeah. This isn't like she didn't, she didn't do, do anything wrong. whatsoever. Um, the the reason is well so you know if you were injured for a year you could be suspended for the season yes and that's how to they, recovery time right yeah and so that's how they like remove your salary from the cap sheet and things like that um so the understanding is that the sky suspended her because um the the French national team um is hoping to have Williams compete for them this summer at the Olympics, um, assuming they happen, <laughs> um, which at this point it's looking like they're going to, but she, um, for, is it for the Olympics or is it for, oh, I think for the, or, and for, for the Eurobasket. The Berg well. is for the Eurobasket. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's year. the reason she's in the WNBA. Um, but she would also, if she makes it to the Eurobasket tournament, she would likely be, be on the Olympic yeah. roster as well. Um, but Basically, the the Sky have some cap issues, um, so 
making salary room is sort of important for them. Um, and if Williams is put on the roster, um, she will be in France probably through mid-August, mm-hmm. um, which would cause her to miss a, a pretty significant the part chunk of the, the season. Yeah. Um, and she also, you know, has currently, you know, just gotten to training camp a, a little late because she was playing um, in Hungary with the team that she plays with overseas. So it, it's been a very, like, messy situation. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it sort of makes sense why this guy did it, but based on Williams's reaction, yeah, it doesn't seem like they consulted her with the decision at all. She hasn't even made the French Eurobasket team yet, so... Technically, at this point, she could be cut from that team and be suspended from the WNBA and be left with just no job for the entire summer. Um, And she, you know, she plays for the Sky a lot. Like she. Well, when she first came in, like she was playing a good amount of the game. She was like barely ever benched. Mm -hmm. Um, What was it? Her shooting average. Her. What's it called? Her rebound average. They were great for the first, like, half of the game, but usually. Like, she's Mm -hmm. a great player. So, it's like, you know, but this goes back into the conversation of women's sports organizations not being able to provide or offer as much money. And when they do offer money, like, they're still, like, kind of cutting it close. So, even with Williams... It said in the Hartford current um, article, Williams had an unprotected 70000 salary for the entire season. Mm-hmm. And with also just noting to everyone too, the Sky also, usually on an, a WNBA team, they have around like 12 players. Mm-hmm. And the Sky has 11. And by dropping Williams, they would only have 10. So their budget goes up a little bit because then they're like, oh, we don't have to worry about giving that X amount of money mm-hmm. to another player for the entire year. Yeah. But going back to what Emily said, though, with all the tweets um, and, yeah, with Gabby's reaction, you just see that nothing has really been, cons- yeah, consulted whatsoever. Like, it seems very obvious that she was blindsided by this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like... The Sky have been talking about trading her um, around the time of the WNBA draft, mm-hmm. which, so again, now, even if they were to go through with the trade, she still can't play in the league for this whole season. Um, and it also seems like, well, they, they were going to trade, but I can't imagine that teams aren't interested in a, in a super yeah. young player who's been really mm-hmm. consistent and strong and only this early yeah. in her career. You know what I mean? Like, there, I just, the Sky's logic is really confusing to me. Like, I get where they're coming from, but, and I get why they did it now, because the WNBC season tips off next week, and, you know, if, if Williams isn't going to be there, I get why they would, you know, want to write that off. But I think, too, you know, there's so little security mm-hmm. for the players and that, I think that's something that's been really concerning to me what we're seeing here is you know first of all 
so many WNBA player, players play abroad in addition to playing in the WNBA. Yeah. Because they don't make enough money no. just playing the WNBA. Exactly. You know, Alora said William's salary unprotected was 70000 Yeah. That's like a pretty average salary, you know, in like a, a reg- the regular like working world. Exactly. And, and when you compare that to, you know, what's the minimum salary in a player in – the dub- say the NFL can make is like what three hundred grand or something, or like even let's talk about the contracts that rookies make in the NBA. Like right. we could talk about Zion Williams' contract, R.J. Barrett's contract. We could talk about um, what's his name, um, Trey Young's contract. Mm-hmm. Like they were huge contracts, especially Zion Williams. Mm-hmm. Like so, this is just like the fact that the well, app. It's, like, it's right. It's showing a lack of like understanding of the situation that athletes are are put in to choose between okay well do I go play for my international team and you know make the extra money that I need do I stay at home and play with my WNBA team can I balance both you know there's these are questions that you know players in the NBA aren't having to think about never because they don't have to play in Europe in order to you know, bring in some extra money, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't, and it's frustrating that the sky wouldn't communicate that with her, Mm -hmm. and I do feel like, I don't like the excuse they also said as well, with saying that she, like, Gabby's always wanted to play in France, yeah, like, come on, well, and, and even if that's true, like, James Wade declined to comment Mm -hmm. about it, um, which is really problematic. Yes. Um, and, and very, just it raises way more questions for me, honestly, of like why they're being so weirdly secretive about it. Um, I just can't understand, like, you know, if this was all just a super straightforward, we just don't have the budget situation, why is everything coming out of the sky so mm-hmm. muddled? And why is she tweeting, like, passive... Like, she's subtweeting her own tea. You know, she was tweeting, like, eye roll emojis. And or, things. like, even, what's it called? Posting on, uh, yeah, on her Instagram, her location being in Chicago mm-hmm. and everything. And people are just like, what? Like, it's, she's back in Chicago? Like, right, like, it's just been so odd and you know her her sister um has been tweeting Mm -hmm. a ton like real like unhappy that they suspended her like it it seems very obvious that if gabby knew this was coming she didn't want it yeah um and i i mean to some extent that makes sense like obviously you don't want your Mm -hmm salary to just be suddenly that's seventy thousand dollars that you were relying on just down the drain but you know i I mean you'd think if there had been like ongoing conversation with her and the team the reaction wouldn't be this severe and the news also wouldn't have come out of nowhere Mm -hmm. like there were not even like i don't say it was totally out of nowhere because they've been like talking about trading her and they had been talking for a while about her playing for the French national team, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is fine. But there were no whispers that 
they were talking about suspending her. Yeah. Um, and so that, that aspect of it did kind of, was kind of a blindside. And it's why, you know, the women's basketball universe kind of blew up mm-hmm. when it came out because, you know, frankly, it's a loss for the whole league to not have her playing this yeah. year. But it just, you know, the WNBA just renegotiated their their um, CBA like a year, year and a half, two years ago now. I think, yeah. And, you know, that was like a huge step forward. And then, you know, to see players still sort of, I don't want to say taken, being taken advantage of, because I don't think that's like, I don't know that that's what's happened, but to still, to see players not being prioritized and not being part of the conversation. Yes. <laughs> I think, it, I mean, it, it just, it comes back to what so many, you know, sports organizations have problems with. And I think personally, I hold the WBA to a much higher standard. You know, I expect owners to do scummy things and I expect GMs to do scummy things, you know, in the NFL and in the NBA. Yeah. It, you know, cause we've spent years. Well, we've heard about it constantly. Watching them do yeah. it. But you know, the WNBA, in a lot of ways, I feel like has made an effort to be better than those, you know, organizations have mm-hmm. been, and they've, you know, been really successful doing it. But this, this is kind of a, a bringing a bringing back to reality that oh, they're they are still a sports organization, and they are just as problematic in some ways as all the rest. Yeah, well, going off on that too, like. Going, yeah, 100% going into that because I, the way I see it's just like, yeah, no matter what, they all think alike. And what are they thinking? Money. And yep. to let everyone know, too, like, Williams was set to become a free agent in Next 2022. Year, yeah. yeah. So with being a free agent, that means that you can up your price. Mm-hmm. Okay. By suspending Williams... And holding her off for a year, that means that she that might also have to hold off. Exactly. Yep. Meaning that she can go for less mm-hmm. than what she's actually worth. Because they haven't seen her play. They you haven't. Know, it's, it's totally different. It's a I think money playing, game for them right yeah. now. And playing for the French national team obviously is a huge deal. But yeah. it's not, you know, it's very different from, it's not here. from playing yeah. in the WNBA. And it's not, you know, coaches aren't getting to see her up against the talent in the WNBA. They're seeing her up against the talent in Europe, mm-hmm. which is great, but, you know, the U.S. women's basketball is generally one of, if not the best team in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a different level of competition, quite honestly, you know? So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. And I hope, you know, and there's some really great, you know, journalists out there, um, Mm-hmm. Alexa Philippou is someone to follow for information about this. She reports for the Hartford Current, um, and she covers UConn. So she covers, you know, players after their careers in the NCAA are over. Um, another one I recommend people follow is um, Annie Costable. Um, she writes for the Chicago Sun-Times um, and also does really great coverage of the uh, WNBA um, and is a good person to follow about this story. Um, and yeah, the WNBA tips off next week. So yeah. I'm, I know this is I'm excited, Wars, but I'm so excited. I'm excited to watch like mainly because I'm 
Like, of course, I'm never done talking about the Knicks. Um, <laughs> I'm never done talking about them. But it's always not. I'm just excited to finally see the WNBA start playing again. And, and we got Sabrina back in New York. That's hopefully for the full year this time, not injured. You know, mm-hmm. we have just. I think it's an extreme a, amount this, of talent. This rookie class is just an be extreme amazing. amount of talent. Yeah, I think I think this is this is going to be a really good season, and I hope that they keep the growth that they saw last season. Um, I hope that Gabby Williams makes the French national team because, girl, if well, she now comes, she's out of a job. Exactly. Now what they're doing is they're just saying like, well, that's all you have right now, and if you don't, sorry. Ugh. All right, we're gonna hop over to commercial really quick um and when we come back we are talking nwhl yes hey besties if you love vic radio as much as we do you want to know what's going on in the studio or you want to stay in the vic loop why not follow us on our twitter at vic radio and our instagram which is also at vic radio keep listening to the best of what's next your favorite indie music station hello everyone and welcome back all right so, like I said before the break, we're jumping into the NWHL um, in, our, in our second segment. Um, so, the NWHL has been in kind of a financially precarious position for a little while, mm-hmm. um, for like a couple years, I would say. Um, and so, what, they, what they've did, done over the last couple of years is they created um, this sort of general fund um, for you know, to try to incentivize sponsors working with the whole league instead of with individual teams or with individual players. Um, so they're essentially just trying to, to incentivize sponsorship for the league and investment in the league, um, which is a good idea. So what they did was they created this big, like, overall fund um, for the players that at the end of the season – um, the revenues from sponsorships get split 50-50 between players and between the league itself. Yeah. So, like, all of the players split whatever's in that, like, half of the pot. And, you know, it's not obviously going to be a huge amount of money, um, but it's, like, a little, like, bonus, basically, yeah. in a way for, you know, the league to, like, reinvest in players and to for for sponsors to be, you know, sort of contributing directly to individual players. And for those who don't know... Um, salaries in the NWHL are super low, like painfully low. Um, like so you have to work another job. Their salary cap currently, so for the upcoming season, they're planning to double the salary cap. The salary cap right now is $150,000. So they're doubling it to $300,000. So to give you a comparison, the NHL's salary cap is $80 million, Um the, even the the WNBA salary cap is like one point seven. Yeah, I want to say it's like 1. around 7 that million. to like three um, between those two. Three hundred thousand dollars is insane. Yes, insanely low. Yes. Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, that is. I mean, it's unreal. You know, most most W or NWHL players are making like no more than like twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars for the season. So all of them are working other jobs and all of them have to have, you know, financial support from outside of hockey because they physically cannot support themselves on their hockey earnings. You know, the WBA 
most players would be like okay mm-hmm. with their salaries, but you know, a lot need a little extra for the NWHL, they literally could not, under any circumstances, live on the salary that they make. Clarify for everyone, the salary cap for the 150000 which you're trying to, to uphold to uh, yeah. 300000 that is for individual teams? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's just want to make sure that everyone's on the same page. That's not for the whole entire organization itself. Yes, it yes, is yes, for yes. individual for each, teams. For each team, <laughs> their salaries can't amount to more than... 150k which again super low um yeah so you can't make a living no and so they you know created this fund to give players a little share of you know what the league is making from sponsors because sponsors are working with the league because of the players Mm -hmm. um however this year the the league kind of very quietly altered that policy um, and they have made it where now players are not entitled to 50% of the revenue. They're entitled to whatever revenue is left after the league has paid off all of its ex- expenses and costs for the season. Um, and that is a big It's a lot. Because the NWHL right now um, is it's operating at a deficit. Um, COVID hit the, the NWHL really hard. Um but this is a big drop and you know analysts have been saying we don't know if there's going to be much money left if any Mm -hmm. and then along with that too about like one not knowing what not knowing like how much is going to be left in that pool for Mm -hmm. their athletes Going back to it, as Emily has said, that there's a lot of people that the and and, and organizations and companies that the 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 NWHL has to give money to. Like for example, um, the league lost its medical partner mm-hmm. and uh, NYU and Langon Health. Right, mm-hmm. that's pretty important yeah. and major. <laughs> um, that means that they have to find someone new. And that's a lot of money because that means you have to make sure that everything is good healthcare-wise, health, 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 uh, just overall in general because athletes get injured, athletes get hurt. A lot of thing, things happen. Yeah. So let's say the pool was um, for the athletes in that, in that 50%, in their 50, um, there was 200,000. I don't think that would ever be the case, but <laughs> it was 200,000. You have to give fifty thousand, or not fifty. It would be. It would probably range like around one hundred ten to one hundred fifteen thousand that you would have to give probably to the medical mm. part, right? Or seventy five thousand between one hundred and fifteen to seventy five. Seventy five thousand to one hundred fifteen thousand that you have to give to your medical partner. Um, that means you don't have a lot left for your athletes at this point, but you also have some other payments to pay. So at the end of the yeah. day. What might be in the pool for the athletes could potentially be around, let's say, fifty-five to seventy thousand dollars left for them, maybe. Mm-hmm. And these are just like hypothetical numbers, everyone. This is not real numbers, <laughs> but um, they're they haven't but, been very transparent about that budget. Not at all. Um, so we don't have real numbers, unfortunately, to yes, share with you. Nothing. Um, 
which which is sort of part of the problem in the way that they did this very under the radar um, is part of the problem because it's not inherently a bad decision, you know, and the... The 50-50. Well, and and changing it this year when they're operating at a deficit, Mm -hmm. like, is understandable. Like, the league, you know, from... And this is what the the NWHLPA's representative said, was that, you know, from a business standpoint, and, and the league is, at the end of the day, a business... From a business standpoint, you can't operate at a deficit for very long. No, it's. I mean, it's not. It's. It's just not. You know, it's how not it works. smart. And that's. And and so they do. They have to do something about that, you know. And sometimes that comes with cutting extra like costs and programs like that. But you know, it's hard to see. You know, this isn't the first time that the league has had issues with you know, undervaluing players a couple of years ago, they, I mean, absolutely just like slashed salaries a month into the season. Um, And, you know, we're seeing, you know, everybody, you know, we're seeing women's hockey try to succeed, but it's coming at the cost of the players. You know, it's coming at the cost of the people who are making the game what it is and who are the reason that people watch. And, you know, it's hard it's hard to support and endorse what the NWHL is doing because, you know, we want investment in women's sports and we want women's sports to, you know, be successful and thrive, but they can't do that if they're not being put in a position and if they're not being given the investment to do that. I think where my um, questions lie also with the NWHL proposing this itself is that I feel as though it goes back to the essence of like the importance of women in sports and like the fact that these are their careers Mm -hmm. and meaning that they spend hours practicing, um, playing in games, Mm -hmm. um, they get hurt. A lot of like there, there's so much time, effort, uh, blood, sweat, and tears that goes into this, Mm -hmm. right? The fact that you only make around twenty to thirty thousand a year—that's usually the starting point for (laughs) journalists when you (laughs) go into the field. (laughs) (laughs) But um, these women have been working, have been, have been doing this for years. Some of these women have been doing this for a couple of years, and. A lot of them depend on this money, especially with the pool going in, because there's a few extra bucks just going into their account. And there is just no transparency, and the NWHL is holding no accountability towards their own actions for not being transparent with their mm-hmm. with their with, with their athletes, because that's who they owe it to first more and, fo- and foremost, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where my problem is like really just lying with this. The fact that they're they're unwilling to hold themselves accountable uh, for their actions, for for various actions. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... We'll yeah. go into later things about yeah. the NWHL that are hyper-problematic. But in, in that regard, I, 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 just, I just don't understand that. Yeah, it's just... It's really challenging because, you know... I, I just... The, the thing is that, you know, 
the 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 NWHLPA's representative, you know, said that changing the structure made sense, obviously, and that mm-hmm. you know athletes sign contracts with the team, so anything else like they're not expecting anything on top of that, you know, anything that would come out of that revenue sharing fund and things like that is just kind of an added bonus, um, and that's true, like that's totally valid, um, but like if you're you know, one of those players who is really, like, struggling financially, you know, that little bonus can make a difference. It and, can. you know, I, I worry that the NWHL is driving players away from the league because there's so little investment in it, you know, and because there's so few opportunities for the players, you know, like – the, the NWHL was one of the only teams to have a COVID outbreak in their bubble, you know? So clearly, like, th- there's just something's not clicking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really worrying to me because, you know, I think about, you know, the NWSL is, I think, the third attempt at a women's professional soccer league in the U.S. Yeah. Um, because the first two ended up not being financially viable because um, there just wasn't enough investment and the NWSL so far has been really successful and has shown a lot of growth but you know during this time when we've seen ratings go up for women's NCAA sports and we've seen ratings go up for the NWSL we've seen ratings go up for the WNBA the NWHL hasn't I think seen that growth as much and they're still stuck in this place where they have to cut costs and they have to reduce something Mm -hmm. and like yes if, if they open up the salary cap that will be a really big step and players will, you know, be able to make more money from that. But that's also not a guarantee yet. Um, so it just, you know, there's a lot. It's a really difficult situation because you want the league to, to stay financially viable and to be successful. And, you know, it's it's sort of like what we're seeing with the college right now, you know, with, with IC is that when you're in trouble financially, you have to make cuts. But the problem is where you decide to make those cuts. I think also what's becoming a huge problem too is that, especially what we see with the NWHL, is that it's a pick, it's, 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 either, it's either or or. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not, you can't have both. That's what yeah. it's basically saying because even going into this quote, things cost a lot of money to put on an event like both of those referring to Lake Placid in Boston um, and those tournaments. But it's it's basically how I read it is you can either have these amount of tournaments where you are able to play and hopefully there will be media coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing's guaranteed. Um, but, or you can play less in tournaments we don't have to do all of these maybe you'll have like three or four tournaments like a year or something mm-hmm. maybe and you can get more money but you cannot have both mm-hmm. and that's that's not fair to them yeah. you know yep and, you know that's and that's the thing is that like we talk about a lot you know the fact that women's sports need investment you know you look at something like i think when mls launched major league soccer they didn't make a profit for like the first several years. Mm-hmm. But what they had was 
investors who were basically willing to funnel money into it until it started to turn a profit, which it did. And yes, now it, it does did. profit. Yeah. You don't see that with women's sports. There aren't those investors who are just willing to dump money into it until it starts to become profitable because they will, but you, you know, you have to spend money to make money. That's what we see with the NCAA with women's yeah, basketball right exactly, now. Exactly, exactly. So. You know, it's it's just, it, it always comes back, and, and I hate that it always comes back to money, but it does it always does. come back to money, and, and it always comes back to the fact that the people in power and the people with the money don't want to invest that money in women and don't care to invest that money in women's sports. And sponsors generally don't invest in women's sports. And... and you know, it's just, it's really, it's really concerning. I'm, I'm worried for how much longer the NWHL is going to be able to, to hold on. To sustain itself at yeah. this point. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we are going to move to another short commercial break. And when we come back, um, we will be hitting you with our final segment about the NWSL. <laughs> <laughs> BIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Planned Parenthood Generation Action is a student activist group that works directly with the Planned Parenthood of the Southern Finger Lakes and the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. They are dedicated to keeping Ithaca College conscious of reproductive justice and of legislative attacks on people's bodies regarding healthcare. Their meetings are on Thursdays at 7 p.m. in Friends 207. To join, email icgenerationaction at gmail.com or follow IC Generation Action on Instagram. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. All righty, welcome back. And let's jump into the NWSL. Again, we're saying NWSL, not NWHL anymore. Yes. We've moved on. Um, to clarify, National Women's Soccer League. But they're all... This is what we're talking we got about. too many acronyms going on today. <laughs> but... Yeah, so the NWSL, we've talked about before mm -hmm. having some issues um, around, you know, the way in which they advocate for their players, the way in which they advocate for social justice, um, and the... Just minority groups. The issues <laughs> that they allow yeah. to, to still exist. Um, so several NWSL fans... Um, in light of a few recent um, issues, you know, one being um, the issue we talked about a few weeks ago where a black player um, and her boyfriend were racially profiled at a Houston Dash game um, and the league didn't punish the Dash at all. There was no real, like, consequences. Um, you know, there have been issues. There was, like, a, I think there was, like, a... They had an apology, but I think we yeah. talked about their quote-unquote apology. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they've there have been a ton of issues this year with uh, WNBA, or WNBA, NWHL announcers um, misgendering Quinn, um, who's a player for the OL Reign, and they identify as trans non-binary, um, and they are, have been misgendered a ton yeah. on broadcasts. Um, so... The, NWA, the NWSL, at least from my perspective, hasn't shown an effort to commit to the causes that they claim to support. Um, that's obviously a huge problem. Um, but 
I think, you know, it's a good thing that we're seeing a lot of fans who are unhappy with it. And, you know, we're seeing this letter. I don't know how many people have signed it. Um, it's just on a Google form, but, you know, it, it's open up, it's open for anyone to respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, we could post it on our Instagram. Yeah, later. we'll put it, we'll put it, um, the link in our, on our socials. But yeah. It's, it's very interesting and it, it makes a series of demands, which we'll get into, but um, I'll let you share your, your preliminary thoughts, Alora. Yeah. Um, this letter is phenomenal. It's very honestly, well it's 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 a it's a great letter. It's very one. It's very respectful, which I don't know if I would maybe have the capacity of fully doing. <laughs> it's very respectful, very well written, and and touches on very key factors. And I I think the part that I love the most is there's a there's a few parts I love the most. I was telling Emily there was one uh, quote that said that the this leak. This league has made it clear that it cannot hold itself accountable on its own. Mm-hmm. And as you could tell, and, and if you heard our broadcast about this before, which you can hear about if you look at our um, podcast. Spotify, yeah. yeah. Um, they don't hold themselves accountable. Instead, what they do, and this is not just the NWSL, this is other organizations, but we're going to specifically going to them on them right now they don't hold themselves accountable and their their definition of accountability is giving a pr apology Mm -hmm. and not addressing the issue and just moving on and moving forward and giving that reference and saying like we are moving forward with this we are going to start addressing this addressing that but at the end of the day nothing ever fully gets addressed Mm -hmm. and that's what i love about this letter so much because it says later on there needs to be a players union with representation from all communities Mm -hmm. the lgbtq the q plus community black players youth players and i love how they really put youth players in that as well because a lot of times with young players coming in they don't they they are hit with that fear factor from yeah. their from owners, from uh, older athletes, mm-hmm. from coaches that are Whereas older. Whereas you have to pay your dues. dues exactly, and and not speak up because if right. you speak up, you're you're, you're, you're going to have a target on your back. Mm-hmm. Um, without re- and then later says without representation, collective bargaining efforts cannot truly represent all players. Mm-hmm. And that holds so much truth because at the end of the day, um, we need to address this and we need to put this out there and we need to understand that all communities, these communities that I've just pointed out mm-hmm. are misrepresent, misrepresented in, in this organization itself. Yeah. And I think it's particularly, you know, the NWSL is particularly disappointing to me um, when held up to... Yes. You know, the WNBA. Yes. Particularly. Because those are the two, the NWSL and the WNBA are the two women's sports leagues that I follow most closely personally. Um, The WNBA's Players Association is led by Laisha Clarendon, who is a black transmasculine person. Um, They, I believe, I believe Laisha identifies as non-binary, but, you know, that is the top leadership of their organization. You know, there are a ton of 
quantifiable concrete efforts that not just individual players and teams but the league's office itself exactly has made to contribute to anti-racist and to say we want change to contribute to anti-racist education to contribute to you know queer inclusivity and trans inclusivity yes and you know it's it's a pretty remarkable thing for a sports league, quite honestly. You know, obviously, we talked about it earlier that WNBA is not without problems, mm-hmm. but the WNBA is without a lot of the problems that other leagues have. Yeah. Um, the NWSL is not that. And, you know, it, it starts from the top, but it goes all the way down. You know, we've exactly. Seen, we've seen with NWSL, and I think a lot of the problem with the NWSL that we don't see in the WNBA is that WNBA players are much more willing to advocate for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, when when Kelly Leffler was making yes. racist comments, we the, saw the entire the dream, league not just the dream, the dream, not just yeah, exactly, but not just the, the dream was behind, like rally behind that. And you know, in the NWSL, you know, when Sarah Gordon reported being racially profiled a couple weeks ago, there was we saw some of her teammates stand yeah. up for her on online, but there wasn't much from across the league. There wasn't anything from the dash themselves. That's what I was going to say. You know, like, I think, and, you know, we had, there were issues earlier this year with, you know, Carly Lloyd and Julie Ertz, who are two of the biggest names in the league, Mm -hmm. both chose to stand for the national anthem. And, and, you know, and that's actually, it's one of the things that the letter asked for is that the league stopped playing the national anthem at games, um, which I think is a fabulous idea. But, (laughs) you know, the... The NWSL, from from the the league's top office down to its athletes, there is there's no accountability at any point in that chain. Athletes aren't held accountable by the league no. for being problematic. The league isn't held accountable by the players or by itself when it's problematic. So it's it's honestly it's really cool to see fans sort of step up like this and and fans of women's soccer who want it to be better kind of take it into their own hands and say all right if you guys aren't going to do something about it then we will you know yeah and I think the thing that what kind of pushes us like further into like going into this I feel like a lot of times people have always seen the NWSL as being one of the biggest advocates starting starting advocates because because of the women's national team yes and them fighting for pay equality exactly pay equality thank you and yes one amazing (laughs) because yeah (laughs) like yeah they yes um but that does not mean ever and like you said with the nwa there, no matter, like, there are... Oh, I'm sorry, the who? The NWA? The end. Yeah. The, the WNBA? WNBA? I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, that was a good one. It's all the ones starting with the end. I told you guys, we have too many actors Too many. Too many. Oh, my goodness. Thank that you, took Emily. Me a second. I was like, wait, what did you just exactly. say? Exactly. You know what? I almost didn't realize I said it. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry. You were making great points. But, um, there, even though there is so much good in an organization and what they do doesn't mean that there aren't problems Mm -hmm. in the organization as well. Well, and also, you know, just because you're an advocate in one space does not mean you're you're an an advocate for everything. You know, we see that right now with so many historically, like, 
iconic women's sports advocates. Well, there's a lot of people who are, are uh, for, of course, Black Lives Matter, but there are also people who are for Black Lives Matter, but are anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and, and, you know, like that's with, you know, we have so many people who are historically huge allies for women's sports who are supporting anti-trans legislation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really frustrating to see a league that does do a lot of activism not extend their activism to groups with even less mm-hmm. privilege. You know, it, I think it's a classic case, honestly, of, you know, white women sort of weaponizing their oppression. Yeah. And, you know, weaponizing the fact that they deal with oppression as women to equate their experiences to those of black and brown women, of queer women, of trans and non-binary people. You know, it's not, it's not a valid comparison. It's it's just not a competition. No. And I think that's, that's sort of the challenging thing is that, you know, they'll, they'll go far enough to advocate for the things that affect them. Mm Mm-hmm like their pay exactly but they won't take that extra step and fight for the things that don't affect them exactly and that's what i find the most disappointing i just you know in the in in the athletic perspective for them because they do have a certain they have a certain amount like some of them have a certain amount of celebrity mm-hmm. you know and yeah. they have huge followings mm-hmm. and People look at them. They think after their actions and see what they do and stuff like that. And I'm just so happy that the that fans are holding them accountable for their actions and being like, no matter how big of a player you are, how much I love this sport, I love this sport so much that I want it to be better. As you were saying mm-hmm. uh, uh, when we started this conversation. Yeah. We me- want women's sports to be better. We want them to be amazing. We love watching them. Yeah. But you also have to understand, no matter how much I love it and how much I watch it, I want you to be able to hold yourself accountable mm-hmm. for the past actions yeah. and the current actions that and this organization is continuing to make. Forward. Exactly. It, it makes me think a lot about, you know, you know, when Black Lives Matter really blew up last summer and, you know, there were such widespread like calls for change and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the kind of counter call to that was that, oh, well, you know, it, like kneeling for the national anthem is disrespecting your country. And that, you know, by, by being critical, you're being disrespectful. And I think criticism is the sincerest form of showing that you care about something mm-hmm. because wanting to make something better for others is, is the, the greatest way to show I, this is important to me and I want other people to have it, but I want them to have it in a better way. Yeah. And, you know, I I hope that the league will, like, take this seriously, you know? Because I think a lot of times... Do you think they will? You know, it's tough because I think the NWSL has always been a very... A performative organization in terms of certain advocacy um, and I think 
you know, they, they know that they don't really have to, you know, be better. <laughs> you know, quite frankly, they, you know, look at the NHL, which has just so much history with racism, with homophobia, with, you know, just every hateful thing under the sun and they're not going to lose fans because of that no um but quite frankly people start to lose fans when they start to stand up for something the thing that gives me hope for the nwsl is that fans of women's sports and this is purely anecdotal i don't know if this is actually true but (laughs) at least in in the circles that i associate in yeah fans of women's sports are much more likely to care about whether activism is performative or not and to care about whether activism is present or not um i know it's something that i very much take notice of and i took notice of you know last summer which athletes that i followed were posting Mm -hmm. about black lives matter which teams that i followed were posting beyond their initial statement which you know leagues and organizations and everything were you know actually making an attempt to show up and i think they will, you know, I, I think they they will lose support. I think so, too. If it continues this way, because I think women's sports fans care yeah. about whether the things that they support are, you know, doing the right thing. And, you know, not to say that there's ever going to be perfect accountability and not to say that, you know, suddenly there's going to be a mass exodus from the NWSL, but I think it will it will make people stop and think about it more than it would for, you know, most of the men's sports teams. I think that they'll start lo- I I would say they're going to start they they're going to their viewership is going to start declining. Mm-hmm. However, because the NWSL is so good of hiding matters like this mm-hmm. and even when it comes to this letter, the reason that we see it is because of a tweet, not mm-hmm. because it was written in the news or anything, yeah. like no, nothing like that. That's and it. that that's from that's from just having our Twitter ag- um, yeah. algorithm just like showing it up and popping right. it up. You know what I mean? So it would be so nice to like, and I I do think that they if if this was presented in the news that yeah they would no, lose their really they would true. lose their viewership they would but. Because, because it's undercover, <laughs> you know, little play on words. <laughs> it's just, it continues to go unnoticed. And yeah. that's why they're, they're still able to, uh, having this happen. Yeah. And it's so frustrating <laughs> because, you know, when you look at, you know, the, the men's professional leagues that have been around for a long time that have really established followings, they're not going to, you know, have their negative stories covered in a meaningful way because people love the NFL and yeah. people love the NBA. No matter what happens, MLB, you know? they'll find a way to separate then, that from their beliefs. But then <laughs> it's just the same for women's sports too, though, because, you know, they're new and they're not covered. So, you know, I feel like we're in this situation where sports just aren't ever held accountable. And that is concerning. Yeah. On that cheerful note, <laughs> we're going to jump into our final 
final thoughts. Yeah. Let's say we're not gonna we're not gonna do a fan moment this week because our fan moment is the same, and our fan moment has been getting to do this show for the what semester. four months now, yeah. three months. Um, yeah, Laura and I are both graduating um, in two weeks now, which is yep. <laughs> very scary. Actually, yeah, almost exactly two weeks from yep. from when you're doing this, um, which is which is crazy, um, but. It's, a, it's exciting. Um, we both have post-grad plans now. Or yes. I've talked about mine on here before, but do you want to tell, tell everyone what you're up to? I cannot say the name right now because I haven't posted it on my, on my social media yet. But I do have a job um, that I'm going to be starting June 10th at an, um, a station. Uh, TV station. I'm going to be their new MMJ, which is a multimedia reporter, which I'm very excited about. Um, but like, as Emily said, you know, it's scary. Yeah. Getting ready to start a new job and leaving something, going into something that's so unknown yeah. because we both been in school for ages, Yeah. like <laughs> since nursery. So been in oh. school since we were three years old yeah. and now not yeah and I mean I think though I know for I don't um, I don't want to speak for you but I'm assuming you feel the same way I'm very grateful that in our last semester that we've gotten to do this yeah um for me this is something this show is something that I wanted to do for a long time um I was involved with the Ithacan um starting freshman year which is our newspaper on campus um and then Emily's a great writer, by the I, way. Please. Just let everyone know. Um, I <laughs> thought about joining radio my sophomore year, um, but then I walked into the room at the first radio meeting that I went to, and it was 100% men and 95% white. Um, and at, at 18 years, 18, 19 years old, when I wasn't confident in myself and I wasn't confident in my abilities and I wasn't confident in my place in sports I was like absolutely not I am getting the hell out of here um and so now you know a year and a half later to be able to come back and to feel confident enough to pitch a show and to feel confident enough to get on the air every weekend and you know make you all listen to me babble. I know it's, it's been very meaningful for me and it's, you know, it makes me feel, feel a little more ready for the next chapter. You know, I feel, you know, I, I, unlike Emily, I did not start off in the Ithacan whatsoever. (laughs) Um, I, I love writing. I, I think one journalism major, you have to know how to write no matter what. Um, but I went into the television route and, I remember being so nervous going to television Mm -hmm. and I tried radio multiple times, but then I couldn't do it because of track and then (laughs) I quit track. And when Emily approached me about this, it was so funny because she's like, we were in a group project and she just said, Laura, you want to do a radio show with me? And I said, okay. (laughs) Um, Not knowing what I was getting myself into whatsoever, Uh... but this has been probably the most accomplishing Park school Ithaca experience that I've had. Yeah. Because constantly, and Emily and I have talked about this before, and Emily has shared it many times in our class, uh, one of our classes that we're in, that it's, it's sometimes it's hard wanting to get more women mm-hmm. to 
be part of the sports realm. Yeah. Because you know what it's like. Yeah. And you know the the controversy and the the just plain old downright bro uh, club it is. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy we're doing this. Yeah. Because this way, it's just like, listen, do what you feel like you need to do. Mm-hmm. And for all the women, all people of color, all people in the LGBTQ plus community, I just want you to understand that it is... There's space for There you. is always space for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Don't be discouraged by no. that. And I think, too, you know, especially after the year that we've had, you know, sports... I think now more than ever, the public and fans are understanding how ingrained politics are in sport. You know, they always have been since, you know the beginning of the modern Olympic era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and before that, you know, sports have always been, ha- had a root in, in social issues and in politics. Um, and I'm really glad that that is got, getting more mainstream. And I'm really glad that, you know, there are so many people who are working to make sports and sports media a more inclusive space. Um, and I think, and I think like doing things like this is part of that. You know, it starts when you're in college, that is where, you know, you're learning that newsroom culture and you're, you know, this is where you either pick up good habits or bad ones. And I think, you know, just by putting ourselves in that room full of white dudes, yeah, (laughs) you know, that does something positive. And I think that's, like that was that was the most important thing to me with the show. Was We're putting to, like, ourselves in the space, guys. Yeah, and and that's the thing is you know. It's not. It's never easy to to create space for yourself, but it's also. You know, I I hope that. When we're when we leave in two weeks, that you know. Oh God. <laughs> I hope that other. Women will want to get into radio, and I hope that. Someone next year will host a show and talk about these things still because they're not going away. Um, and following women's sports is so important and supporting queer athletes is so important and standing up for anti-racism in sports is so important. And, you know, those are things that, that go far beyond Ithaca College and what we're doing here. And I know they're things that we're both going to take into our careers. Um, and we hope that everyone who's listened to us blabber for the last three months will will take that away too. Yes. And on that note, everyone, because Emily ended on such a good note. <laughs> we have to say our final goodbye. So Ugh. be sure to listen to us on Spotify, on our podcast. Mm-hmm. Look at our social media. Yeah, do you want to drop our, our personal social handles since we won't be on the, yes. the show so handles anymore? I will say follow me on Twitter. It is at Lagarde, L-E-G-G-A-R-D. Um, and on Twitter, I am at E-A Adams 6. So, so you can keep up with our work there. We tweet lots about women's sports yes, there we too. Do. So, you know, all of that. But yeah, thank you so much for listening this semester. And um, on that note. We are out. Bye. Bye.